Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. Very happy to be here with you all. A um, little bit of news, unfortunate news. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, so I put it, posted on Twitter, uh, you know, earlier, we didn't have an episode this past Tuesday. I was not feeling well. Um, went and actually got a test yesterday. Uh, I do, in fact have COVID, but feeling fine. I'm vaccinated. So basically just means I'm going to be sitting here in the house for the next uh, two weeks or so, but feel fine. Uh, so thank you for all the well wishes and the get well soons and all that other stuff. But COVID is not going to stop the pod. We are still here. And especially since I'm just kind of in my room doing nothing right now, I figure I have nothing but time to really work on the podcast and all that. So. Um, yeah, that's what I got going on here. But like I said, thank you all so much. I'm sure you can probably hear it a little bit in my voice. I'm still a little congested, but we're going to get through it. Um, but yeah, like I said, so here we are and I'm just going to jump right into it. So we're going to start off with some football today, um, which only makes sense. I mean, hey, we have like, what, 20 days left. I think we're we're less than three weeks away from Thursday night. Cowboys versus Buccaneers, and I cannot wait. I am super excited um, for this season to start. And you know what? We got a couple other topics that we're going to get into, but I I, I want to talk about this first. Preseason games matter, you know, and I understand for many of the casual fans, preseason games don't matter. And, you know, like for a lot of us, they don't matter, especially for guys that have kind of supplanted their spot on a team and stuff like that. But I don't know, maybe it's just because I am a self-admitted like sports junkie. I love preseason games. Like I love watching young guys. I love seeing guys who could possibly make team, um, all of that stuff. And I think they are important as far as getting into rhythm and things like that. Like, I think all of that stuff is really big and really important. And maybe it is because last year, due to COVID, we didn't have any preseason games. The preseason games this year have felt amazing. And, and again, maybe this is just me, you know, missing out on preseason games last year. But having the games this year, seeing fans in the stadium, uh, all of that stuff has been really, really, really cool. Um, and I've really appreciated them a lot. But speaking of preseason games, that actually brings us into the conversation that I wanted to talk about, which is quarterback competitions. And I would say there are maybe four, four quarterback competitions that are real throughout the, uh, throughout the league right now. There are four teams that I would say have a legitimate quarterback competition. And one of those teams was on display last night with the New England Patriots. Now, the New England Patriots, obviously, as we all know, uh, signed Cam Newton last year after he was released from the Panthers, and Cam Newton was just kind of sitting around waiting for a team to come and get him. Of course, the New England Patriots were the team that finally did sign him to a one-year contract. He goes to a New England team that was absolutely devoid of weapons, um, I mean, it was just, it was a bad situation. There was no way that Cam was going to really succeed in that situation, right? And with the lack of talent around him. Also, he caught COVID last year, so he didn't really have a breakout year. He didn't have much to really hang your hat on. Um, then he resigns with the Patriots, and then they go out on the first day of free agency and spend. $250 million, basically, right? Like, they just absolutely unload and pay everybody. Um, but it was a smart move. You know, they went and they got a bunch of much-needed talent for this team. And, you know, then the draft comes around, and all of the talk is about 
you know, is Mac Jones going to go number three overall? This, that, and the third. Ends up being Trey Lance going. The 49ers take Trey Lance. Mac Jones falls all the way to the Patriots. They take him at 15. He falls right in their lap, right? And so now we're in this situation where we have the New England Patriots figuring out who's going to be their starter. Now, granted, Bill Belichick came out early, right? Bill Belichick came out early and said, hey, Cam Newton's going to be our starter. However, I don't know how long you can keep Cam on the field after seeing the way Mac Jones has played so far in this preseason. Mac Jones has looked really good in these two preseason games. And granted, it's only two preseason games, and he's gotten way more snaps, and he's going up against second and third string guys. But Mac Jones, everything that we heard about him coming into the draft, right? So his accuracy, his... The, the, the intelligence that he has of just understanding what to do in certain situations, being able to see a defense. Now, granted, he's not having to read anything that's too difficult right now because everyone's just kind of playing pretty basic scheme defenses. But Mac Jones is playing very, very, very well. Now, as of last night, Cam Newton had himself a pretty damn good game as well. And I think this is really, this is a competition that's really going to start to heat up because, and it's similar to the one in Chicago, um, where the quarterback styles are just so different. So obviously, you know, Cam Newton came out, he goes eight of nine for 103 yards, touchdown pass, right? Pretty good, pretty good series for him. Mac Jones was 13 of 19, 146 yards did lead a touchdown drive that was like 96 yards, had a very good, um, crucial pickup that started with like a third and 13 that they were able to convert or something like that. Like he, Mac Jones has shown all the poise and all the accuracy that we saw out of him in Alabama. Um, but I just don't know, like, this is a really tough decision to make because like, like I said, they're so different in their styles. Mac Jones is not someone who's really going to extend plays. Mac Jones is not someone who they're going to be able to run quarterback options with or quarterback draws and kind of play, you know, 10 on one or something like, or, you know, you get what I'm trying to say there, not 10 on one, but that, that, that idea of just kind of having your quarterback be the primary runner on certain plays is so frustrating for a defense because you you kind of don't really have enough guys right um especially with a runner like cam who is big who can move um it adds a different dimension to your offense right on the flip side cam is nowhere near cam never in his life will ever be as accurate as mac jones is with the ball that's a fact and it's not me trying to rip on cam newton i love cam he will never ever, even at his best, he will never be as accurate of a thrower as Mac Jones is. Mac Jones is, he's not going to wow you as far, I don't think early in his career, he's not going to wow you um, with big gaudy numbers, right? Like he's going to have a bunch of games, especially if he becomes a starter, he's going to have a bunch of games where he maybe completes, like he'll have a game where he probably completes like 33 passes but only ends up with like 260 yards, right? Because it's going to be death by a thousand cuts. He's going to paper cut you to death. He's probably not going to hit you over the top a bunch, at least not early. But his accuracy with the talent that they have, he doesn't have to make big plays. Whereas Cam Newton, Cam Newton isn't really a check down type of guy. And I think that's what makes it so tough trying to figure out between who should be the starter? Do you go with the experienced guy who, granted, Cam Newton, and when you really look at some of the stats that Cam Newton has, you can make the case that Cam Newton has had a Hall of Fame career. Um, winning an MVP, Super Bowl appearance, uh, most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. Like he, his resume, when he is all, when it is all said and done for Cam Newton, his resume is going to be up there and it, I think it will be hard to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. But 
as of right now, what I guess it's 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 a matter of what where do you want this offense to go? Do you want to have that extra dimension of being able to run the ball? Because I think that is going to be a big part of it, right? Like they're obviously going to want to run the ball a lot. And having Cam, I think, only strengthens your run game because now you have that dual threat quarterback. But Mac Jones just seems like the guy that fits what Bill Belichick and McDaniels want to do. You know, he, he can come in and be a game manager, which, I mean, when you look at Tom Brady's first couple of years in the league, that's exactly what he was. He was a game manager. They won with defense. And when Tom needed to make a play, he could. Uh, but mostly it was just don't make big mistakes. And the Patriots, to me, I think have the toughest decision, in my opinion. I think they have the toughest quarterback competition because the styles are so different. But I don't think that there's such a wide gap as far as talent or as far as what you can get out of uh, both quarterbacks. Like I think both quarterbacks could lead the Patriots to the playoffs this year. Whether Mac Jones is starting or Cam Newton, I fully believe that either one of them can lead this team to be a 10 win, like 10 and seven, maybe 11 and six and make the playoffs, maybe even win their division. Right. That's how good I think both of these quarterbacks are. So I genuinely, I don't know, you know, like this is one of the quarter, this to me, this to me is the toughest of the quarterback competitions, in my opinion. I just, I really don't see anywhere else where they really have as tough of a decision to make. Um, now, that kind of leads into some of the other teams that have some quarterback competitions, you would say. Um, San Francisco. Okay, so people are going to say San Francisco. Um, so let's throw the, the ones that aren't as, to me at least, not aren't as interesting. We can go ahead and throw San Francisco out of this conversation. I don't think there's a co- quarterback competition in San Francisco, to be completely honest with you. I think that Kyle Shanahan has every intention of playing Jimmy Garoppolo this year letting Trey Lance sit because as much as I do like Trey Lance and his abilities, um, he's unrefined and he's raw. He's going to take a lot of developing, right? He's a project. Now he's a project that has a ton of upside, but he is still a project. Nonetheless, I don't think it would be in his best interest to go out there and start him from day one, especially when you have a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, who let's just be honest, Say what you want about Jimmy. Whenever Jimmy is healthy, the 49ers win games. That's just a fact. When Jimmy is healthy, the 49ers win games. When he's not, they lose. It's just that simple. So I see why the 49ers, and really they're set up in a great situation because they can ride this year out with Jimmy, possibly trade him or let him walk, And then I think a year of tutelage under Mike Shanahan, I think would be great for Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance's time is next year. Um, And speaking of whose time it is, that brings me to the Chicago Bears. So Andy Dalton, you know what? I, and I don't want to poo poo on Andy Dalton. Listen, I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And while Andy Dalton played for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I did maybe call him everything but a child of God in many of my years of fandom when we played them, um, I do like Andy Dalton, right? I think he's a cool guy. Um, Had some really good years in Cincinnati. Never won a playoff game, but had some really good years in Cincinnati. And... I think he was in a bad situation in Dallas last year. And I want to say this. I don't think Andy Dalton will be terrible in Chicago if he were to be the starter. But Andy Dalton made some comments, you know, where he where people were asking him about Justin Fields and how he's dealing with, you know, the fans basically wanting Justin to be the guy and wanting Justin to go out there. And he kind of made some comments where he said, you know, I love Justin. I love his progression. Justin's going to be a great player um, and he's going to have a great career. But this is my time. 
you know, I came here to be the starter and you know, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm working towards. And one great for Andy. Great, <laughs> great for Andy. That's wonderful that you feel that way. I love that confidence out of you, right? However, there's not a single person in the city of Chicago who believes that. And Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, I understand they've come out and they've been, they've said from the jump that they want to start Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton's going to start and they're not going to throw Justin Fields to the fire. And Matt Nagy said, hey, listen, I want to do what's good for Justin Fields 10 years from now, right? Like I want to make sure Justin Fields is set and do what's best for his career, not just what's best for us this season. And I get that. And that's the right thing to say in public. But the truth is you don't have that luxury. I've said this a million times. Ideally, yes, you would you would sit Justin for a year, ideally. But guess what? This isn't an ideal situation. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, you all are coaching for your jobs right now, right? Like Ryan Pace, that's why you made this move. That's why you mortgage so much in the future to trade up and get Justin Fields. Because you know, if Justin Fields hits, my ass is saved. My job is good. I still got a paycheck cover, right? I can still walk in this office the next day. And so with that being the case, it's so hard. It is so hard for me to see any situation where the Bears do not have Justin Fields out there day one. Like, just because of all of the mounting pressure, but also, like, it's obvious that there is such a talent gap between these two, right? And that's why I said it's a little different from what's going on in, in, in New England. While it's similar in the fact that you have two quarterbacks who are very different in their style of play, I don't think the talent gap between Mac Jones and Cam Newton is, as is, is very wide. I think, they're, I think it's actually pretty close. I don't think there's, you know, I don't think there's that big of a gap at all. The gap between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields is, I mean, it's a Grand Canyon type gap. It is remarkable. And I just, and many former players, you know, when they talk about this, they, they kind of, they allude to some of the things is that one of the things that's really rough about quarterback competitions, especially if it's a young guy who's going out there and he's playing really well, but the, the organization wants to sit him and maybe they want to, they want the older guy uh, to maybe go out there and play for a year. That's hard to sell to a team who's seeing these guys in practice every day. That's hard to sell to guys who are seeing these guys go at it every single day in practice. They know who's better. They know which quarterback is the guy that should be leading the team. They know which one is better. And I can almost guarantee you every single person in that Chicago Bears facility knows that Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Andy Dalton is right now, like immediately. No disrespect to Andy Dalton, but where he where he's at in his career right now, Justin Fields is a far better quarterback than he is. That's just the truth. And I think that is such, I think you do your team a disservice by not putting out the best product. By like it's it's especially for this defense that has been through some really rough years. Like this defense has been like the Chicago the Chicago Bears have had a championship caliber defense for about the past three or four years, and it has been absolutely wasted. I mean, completely wasted because they have had an offense that just was not worth a damn thing. Well, I remember, dude, I, fam, I remember there was a game where I think the offense didn't even, there was a game where the Chicago Bears offense in the first half, I think, had like three total yards. Think about that. The offense mustered three total yards in the first half. And oh, by the way, the defense was pitching a shutout. It, they were still in the game. Like, that's how good this defense has been. And we've seen it with this Bears team 
that this defense comes out and they have to play so much because the offense can't sustain drives. And they're always fighting to try and keep the team from scoring because they never, they always have to try and make a play to try and get the offense more possessions because they know that the offense can't score. And so now it's, okay, we have to stop this team from scoring. We have to get the offense more opportunities. Hell, we might have to score ourselves a couple times. Like this team never gets the opportunity to protect the lead. Right? Like it, it very rarely happens for this Bears defense. And now I think with that defense that has just been through so much all of these years, to for them to sit back and be like, yo, we have a guy. Like we have a guy who, by the way, not only will the Bears defense want Justin Fields out there, think about this Bears franchise. The Bears are the only franchise in NFL history that has never had a single quarterback throw for over 4,000 yards in a season. The only franchise to never have a single quarterback throw for over 4,000 yards in one season. And you finally, finally have a guy that might be able to do it in Justin Fields. And you really think that the fans are going to sit back and appreciate Andy Dalton time? No. Listen, Andy, I like you. I think you're a good guy. Your time was in Cincinnati. It's not your time anymore. It's not. Point blank period. It's not. And you can tell yourself that, and that's the mentality that you should have, and I'm sure they will appreciate you having that level of confidence. But the truth is, it is not your time. Your time was five, six years ago when you were in Cincinnati. You had some good years, but your time is up. It's Justin Fields' time. (sighs) I hope they do the right thing. (laughs) I really do, man. I hope they do the right thing. I hope they let Justin Fields be the starter. I just... This Bears, this Bears franchise and me, you know, the Bears are a team that I root for, you know, obviously being from Chicago and things like that. So the Steelers are my favorite team. That's the team that I root for. But I do root for the Bears. You know, they're like my my second team. Um, And I want to see the Bears do well. And I just know it's not going to be that's not going to happen if Andy Dalton is the starter. So. Hopefully, Justin Fields, I. And like I said, Justin Fields looked amazing in his preseason game too. Showed some some fight. You know, he got off to a rocky start um, in his preseason game and then just came back, kept fighting, and got better, scored two touchdowns, ran one in, threw for another. It's going to be hard, especially if they do start Andy Dalton and like the first three weeks the offense looks terrible. It's going to be hard, hard to stop. And it's going to be hard to sit back and try and throw Justin Fields in after like, I just don't know how you can keep someone that talented off the field. That, that, that's really what it comes down to. He is way too talented to keep off the field. And Andy Dalton isn't. It's just that simple. Um, so that's one of the other quarterback competitions. The other one, that I think is kind of flying under the radar is the Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater um, situation in Denver. So this one, this is another tough one. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I do. However, I think we all know what Teddy Bridgewater is at this point. And granted, he hasn't really had a fair shake. He had a terrible leg injury where it looked like he was almost going to lose his leg almost end his NFL career um, with that leg injury when he was in Minnesota, came back, had a couple uh, good games with the Saints when Drew Brees was out, played in Charlotte for a little bit, and then they kind of, or North Carolina, and they kind of kicked him out after a year. Teddy Bridgewater at this point, he's a very good backup. He might be one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater is not a starter. So I don't know why we're even entertaining this. Drew Locke, on the other hand, we don't know about Drew Locke. Now, that to me is why I think Drew Locke should be the guy in Denver. 
He's young. He has some confidence to him, but also more importantly than anything, this is the year where you, if this, like, if there were going to be a year where Drew Locke was going to have a breakout, it's going to be this year. You have a multitude of weapons, protection. You have a great defense. You have everything in your favor. Vic Fangio, not the best head coach in the NFL. I get that. But outside of the coaching staff, you have some tremendous talent around you, which means you should be able to produce. Now, also, I do think that one of the reasons why this uh, particular quarterback competition is kind of got swept under the rug is because quite honestly um, with it, what happens with the green, with the green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers situation, I think we all pretty much expect when Aaron Rodgers leaves green Bay, he's going to go to Denver. Um, and when he does that, that is going to be very interesting. That is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but for the time being, I think it is important to look at these two. You know what you're going to get out of Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, maybe you'll win seven games. You'll be decent. But you're not making too much noise. You're not going to be in playoff contention. And with this roster, that just, that can't happen. That's not acceptable. Mediocrity is just not going to, it won't fly. Not with this roster. You have too much of a talented roster in Denver. And so that's why I kind of feel like you have to go with Drew Locke in this situation because we, you need to figure out what you have in Drew Locke, right? Like, again, we know what Teddy Bridgewater is. He's a known commodity. We don't know what Drew Locke is just yet. And you need to find out. Have him start. And if he stinks up the joint, then you know, hey, if you couldn't make it here with a good offensive line, with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, um, the other young man's name, who I'm forgetting, another one of their wide receivers, Noah Fant, uh, Melvin Gordon, one of the young running back that they drafted. Like With all of this help and a great defense, if you couldn't get it done here, you're just not cut out to be a starter in the NFL. And then, of course, you can go and get Aaron Rodgers, and then all will be fixed. But you need to figure out what you have in Drew Locke this year. And I think the only way you're really going to find that is by having him be the starter and having him go up against number ones and really testing him. Now, again, Drew Locke himself had a pretty good preseason game. Um, we'll see what happens this upcoming preseason game um, and see what he does. But he had a pretty good – He, I mean, he put on a pretty big show in that first preseason game. I like Drew Locke. I think he – I've I, I've been a believer in Drew Locke. I think that he – can be the one, you know, I think he's the one that John Elway finally hits on, but we'll see. Uh, but Denver has some, some pretty interesting uh, decisions to make there at the quarterback position, because like I said, it's either go with Teddy Bridgewater, who you know probably will win you seven games this year, and that's it. Drew Locke, who could end up stinking up the joint or prove to be your new franchise quarterback. And if you don't like either one of those, try like hell to get Aaron Rodgers into that building at the end of next year or at the end of the season because he's definitely out of, out of Green Bay. That His time in Green Bay has definitely come to an end. Oh, my God. There was a great, there was a great sound bite from one of the Aaron Rodgers' uh, interviews, you know, post-practice you know, post and all that stuff. Uh Robert Domofsky is a well-known Packers reporter. Um, he's worked with the Packers for a very long time. He reports on them. Uh, great, great journalist, great writer. Um, but last year, there was a situation between Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers where during training camp and all this other stuff, Aaron Rodgers was very, very um, vocal about his support for tight end Jake Kumaro. And Aaron Rodgers basically was going out and saying, hey, He's been the best guy in camp all like all all uh, preseason. He's phenomenal. We like him a lot. I'm comfortable with him. I think he does a bunch of great things for our offense. 
And then literally the very next day after Aaron Rodgers basically praises this guy, the very next day the Green Bay Packers cut him. Um, and Jake Kumaro went on to end up playing, uh, went on to play for the Buffalo Bills. So in a very similar situation this year, Aaron Rodgers was coming out and speaking very highly of a tight end. I think his, I, I believe his name was F- Fuseli. Uh, tight end, his last name is Fuseli, and he was speaking highly of him. <laughs> and Rob Domovsky, uh basically kind of threw a jab at the Green Bay Packers and made a joke, and he just looked at Aaron right before he asked the question. And he was like, yeah, well, I can't wait to see what Fuseli does uh, in Buffalo this year. And he got a pretty good, <laughs> he got a pretty good laugh out of Aaron Rodgers out of that one. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. He, he definitely got some laughs around the room. It was a really good job. But um, Aaron Rodgers is definitely out of there in Green Bay. Absolutely. But before we move on to the NBA, I have my Nostradamus pick for you guys right here, okay? I am going to give you my bold prediction this year. And it is one that you can actually go and bet on. So if you feel like you trust me enough and you want to put some money down, you can actually get this at like plus 2,500 odds. I look at the NFL this year and I look at the divisions. I'm actually probably going to have an article coming out where I rank the best divisions in the NFL. Um, that'll probably be coming out sometime at the end of this week. But obviously I think everyone with a pair of eyes can look at these divisions and know that the NFC West is the best division in football. Um, and it's not particularly close, right? So I started looking at the NFC West. You have the Los Angeles Rams, who I think are going to win the NFC this year. Um, I am that big of a Matthew Stafford supporter. Um, so I think, I guess you kind of get two predictions now, actually. Uh, I think the Rams are going to win this division. I think the Rams are going to make it to the Super Bowl coming out of the NFC. I think the Rams make it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC this year. I'm that big of a believer in Matthew Stafford. I think you have the Seattle Seahawks that are going to be a great team. Russell Wilson, as long as Russell Wilson is in Seattle, they're going to win 10, 10, 11 games. You have the San Francisco 49ers. Their whole thing has been health. I think everyone is healthy. And as long as Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, I think this team is going to be one of the best in, in, in the NFL and definitely in their conference. And even if now, you know, with Trey Lance there, even if Jimmy Garoppolo does go down with an injury, they have a competent backup who can maybe even take this team to higher levels than Jimmy Garoppolo could because Trey Lance definitely has a much higher ceiling than Jimmy Garoppolo does. And then the Arizona Cardinals, who I love every single one of the moves the Arizona Cardinals made this year. Um, obviously, they still have DeAndre Hopkins. It's still up in the air whether or not Larry Fitzgerald will come back. But even if he doesn't come back, you look at their wide receiver room. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and now they have A.J. Green. Like They might have the best wide receiver room in the NFL. Um, I loved them signing uh, James Conner. I think James Conner is a really good running back who kind of has lost a little bit of his confidence, um, but I think he's still a really good running back, a really good uh, three-down running back. You can have him out there in pass situations. He's good in pass protection. He also catches the ball well. Has a little bit of a fumbling problem here and there every once in a while, but I still think James Conner is a really good running back. I think you add him to that backfield. That's great for them. And then I love what they did with the defense. I think they really finally started to figure out how to use Isaiah Simmons late last year. Um, I think he's going to have a big year this year. J.J. Watt, obviously, even if he is only 80% of what he was in Houston, is still going to be one of the best defenders in the league. You also line him up on the other side of Chandler Jones. Uh, They signed Buda Baker to an extension. I think this Arizona Cardinals defense is going to be much improved. And when I look at every team in the NFC West and I look at the NFL expanding the playoffs, you know, to now seven teams from each conference make it in. My bold prediction is that every team in the NFC West will make the playoffs this year. 
I'll even take it a step further. Every team in the NFC West will win at least 10 games. That is how good I think this division is. This is easily head and shoulders by far the best division in football, and it's not even close. They are miles ahead of everyone else when it comes to competition. That division is just tough, tough in and out. And I know some of you are probably sitting there and saying, okay, that's absolutely crazy, right? But look at what the odds are, okay? Rams. I don't think there's like Rams, Seahawks, 49ers. I think given that they all stay healthy, I think we all can agree that those are playoff teams. So then it becomes, okay, what other divisions do you think can have multiple teams get in? You look at the NFC South. It's really just the Buccaneers. The Panthers have Sam Darnold now, and I think Sam Darnold will be able to catch his stride in Carolina, but it's the first year there. They still need to figure stuff out. I don't think they're all the way back. I think they'll be a decent team. I think they'll be a pretty good team, like an eight-win, nine-win team, about 500. They'll be better than they were last year, but I don't think they're going to be anything special. Atlanta, same deal. I think they'll be better than they were last year, but they didn't really address too many of the too many of their real big needs. Um, so if you're Atlanta, again, I think you'll be better than you were last year, maybe by two or three games, maybe you win seven or eight, maybe even nine. And then the Saints. I mean, no Drew Brees, no Michael Thomas. Their wide receiver room is terrible. They lost their number one and two tight end. They've just lost so many pieces on this team. I think the Saints are going to be terrible. Like, until Michael Thomas comes back, who's going to miss probably the first seven games of the season, the Saints legitimately might go 0-7 to start the year. I And I, I don't. I'm not being facetious about that. Like, I genuinely believe the Saints can go 0-7. I think at best they go two and five to start the season off but the saints are dead this year right you can put a fork in the saints this year so the nfc south doesn't really have anyone to contend outside of the buccaneers who obviously are going to win that division and they're going to be guaranteed the playoff spot then you go to the nfc east i just don't believe in dallas and i don't believe in daniel jones so I don't believe in the Giants. I think the Giants have a really good team. I think the Giants have a ton of offensive weapons. Um, but the biggest problem is that the New York Giants still don't have a good offensive line. And that has been the bane of their existence for the past couple of years. They have a good defense that is feisty, that is tough. They have, I mean, when you look at just the weapons that they have at skill positions, the Giants are one of the best teams in the league. Think about it. You have Saquon Barkley in the backfield. You have Kenny Galladay on one side. You have Kadarius Toney that you just drafted. You have Sterling Shepard. You have Evan Ingram. Like, they have a ton of talent on that team. Darius Slayton. I, I believe they signed Zach Rudolph. Like, they have a ton of talent in New York. The biggest question is their offensive line and their quarterback. And I don't believe in either. So the Giants, to me, I don't see them making the playoffs. And like I said, I already told you, I believe the Cardinals are winning 10 games this year, at least. Do I think Dallas is going to win 10 games this year? I don't think so. Yes, I understand they're healthy. Yes, I understand Dak Prescott is back. But I think a lot of people are forgetting, yeah, Dak Prescott was healthy for the first three or four games last year. And... They were 1-3 in games that Dak Prescott started last year. Would have been 0-4 if the Atlanta Falcons knew how to recover an onside kick. So, and granted, that defense will get better. Um, I think Dan Quinn coming in, them drafting Micah Parsons, I think all of that is is bodes well for this defense. I think this defense will be better, but do I think that they're going to go from worst in the league to even middle of the pack? I don't know. That's a huge jump. That's a huge turnaround in one year. I just don't know. I I, I, I think the Dallas Cowboys will be a tough team. They'll be a tough out. And they'll probably shock some people and win some games that we probably don't think they should win. 
But playoffs? I don't see it. I think this division is Washington's to lose. And I just don't know if Dallas, if Dallas doesn't win this division, I don't think they make the playoffs. That's kind of how I feel about the NFC East. I think there are some tough teams that are getting better. Well, outside of the Eagles, even though I do think Jalen Hurts is the guy for Philly. I think, I think the Eagles, the Eagles should not give up on Jalen Hurts so, so quickly. I think give Jalen some real time in Philly and I think he'll surprise a lot of people, but you know, it's just, I don't think the NFC East is good enough to have multiple teams make it out of that division. I think whoever wins that division will make it to the playoffs and that's it, which I believe will be Washington. And then you go to the NFC North and that's the only division that I think gives me a little cause to pause because I think the bears, if they let Justin Fields run, if they let Justin Fields go out the gate, I think the bears can make the playoffs. I'm not a believer in Minnesota just because of Kirk cousins. And also that defense had that defense had a very shocking and daunting step back last year. Like it was, it was very, it, I mean, it was unbelievable how bad the Minnesota Vikings defense was last year, because that has kind of been a strength of theirs for the past couple of years. Um, so hopefully the defense gets better there, but as long as Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of this team, I'm not going to trust them to make any big noise. So really it comes down to, do you believe the Arizona Cardinals will have a better record than the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys and slash or the Dallas Cowboys? I think so. And with that, I give you my bold prediction. Every team in the NFC West will make the playoffs this year. Every team in the NFC West will make the playoffs this year. That's my bold prediction. That's my Nostradamus uh, selection for you. With that, we can move on to the NBA. So, as if LeBron didn't need any more uh, fuel to the fire. Everyone's saying that he's old. Everyone's saying... Oh, you finally lost in the first round of the playoffs. You don't got it anymore. Your team is old. You guys are making the wrong moves. You can't shoot. Now, recent poll came out that basically states that not a single voter voted for LeBron as the best player in the league. And... These are the moments where I feel like voters should be forced to show their identities. Like, I feel like these are the situations where we should not, like, even though I am in the media, this is the moment where I feel like the media should be forced to show their faces. I hate anonymous sources. I hate the term voters. No, show me the people. Show me the people that said LeBron James is still not the best player in the world. Because let me tell you something. He is. He is. And it's honestly not close. LeBron James is the best player in the world. I think Kevin Durant is a pretty close second, but even still, there's a gap. What LeBron has been able to do is nothing short of greatness. I mean, the way he keeps his body in shape, staying at some level of a peak for this long into his career, it's something we've never really seen anyone do before. And like I said, LeBron James, for my money, is the second greatest player of all time. For everyone to sit back here and try and tell me that LeBron is not the, like, no one voted for LeBron? How does that happen? How? That makes no sense whatsoever to me. Like, I cannot believe. Like, what more does he have to do? You know, and this is where it kind of, this is one of the moments where I do kind of understand the LeBron sympathizers and the people who love LeBron, right? Like, I kind of do get why some of you do get so irate about the hate LeBron gets because some of it is absolutely unwarranted. Like, this type of stuff, how in the world does this happen? 
again, show your faces. And apparently Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo were the ones who were getting um, most of the the number one votes and things like that. And it's just like, at the end of the day, I still think I would take LeBron over both of those guys. Like, LeBron just does so much, man. And and I, I do want to start appreciating LeBron more. Um, because I do think it's something that I think I have spent a lot of a lot of my time watching LeBron has been one bitter because he was beating the hell out of my bulls for a lot of those years. And also too bitter because I was always, you know, I'm of the mindset that, Le- that LeBron is the second greatest player of all time. Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. So I've, I've, I've gone to battle with a bunch of LeBron fans over that debate. And so I've kind of always looked at LeBron with a skewed eye, you know, but I think uh, I'm starting to realize it now that, you know, I want to spend this time appreciating LeBron. Um, You know, like with Kobe Bryant, I don't think I really appreciated Kobe until his last game. Like I've always hated the Lakers. So Kobe was just like the greatest Laker of all time. So I just hated him like his entire career, had a ton of respect for him as a person, had a ton of respect for him as a player, but I just hated Kobe. Um, and then I remember like his last game and just watching it and just being like, wow, I like, I'm never going to watch this guy play basketball again. And it like, really like, it was a flood of emotions just being like, wow, like this is it, you know, like I spent so long. That's why that commercial where it's, it's everyone, it's, you know, they, and they, it's the, I've been hating you commercial. And he's like the, the orchestrator of the song. It's such a great commercial because I felt like so many people felt like that. Um, and so I think now I don't want to make that same mistake with LeBron. I don't want to appreciate LeBron until I don't, yeah, I don't want to spend in LeBron's entire career hating him just to appreciate him once he's retired when I can't watch him play basketball anymore. Um, but LeBron deserves this, this title. LeBron is still the best player in the world. And like I said, it's, not really close, if we're being completely honest. Now, now that we, we've we've praised LeBron and given him his props, let's talk about one of LeBron's former teammates, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. Oh my goodness! I don't, Dennis Schroeder. I I feel for you on this day. You know. Dennis Schroeder, for those of you who don't know, spent the last two years in Los Angeles, I believe, playing with the Lakers, uh, won a title with them uh, in the bubble, and was offered a contract extension that would have paid him about $84 million, and he turned it down. Dennis Schroeder decided, I'm going to bet on myself. I deserve more. $84 million is not enough for me. As a basketball player, I bring more to the table than just $84 million. And the season went on. The playoffs came. And Dennis Schroeder absolutely stunk up the joint. He was terrible. Was a complete non-factor. And yeah, he just... Things did not go well for Dennis. And so then... Dennis ends up having to sign a contract for one year in Boston for about what, like $5 million or $6 million. And it's just like, man, think about that loss. Like you could have had $84 million to play basketball in Los Angeles, beautiful Los Angeles, beautiful weather, beaches, beautiful women, Pretty good food. Just great culture, right? It's Los Angeles. It's LA. You get to play with Braun, AD. Now you would have been able to play with Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony. They're like, 
you're in Los Angeles. You were getting paid. You were going to get paid $84 million to play basketball in Los Angeles with LeBron James. And now you're going to get paid six to play in cold, racist-ass Boston. Let's just keep your buck. We all know how Boston gets down. It's a pretty racist town. I mean, is this the biggest fumble of a bag you've ever seen? Because it just might be to me. Like, for me, this might be the biggest bag I've ever seen someone fumble. You went from $84 million in Los Angeles to $6 million in cold Boston. And there ain't nothing in Boston, man. Listen. Listen. I respect the sports heritage in Boston. Um, but let's just be honest. No one wants to go to Boston. No one wants. What is there to do in Boston? Well, I guess there's good seafood. You know, Massachusetts, you're near the water, I guess. But nobody wants to live in Boston. I feel sorry for Dennis Schroeder. Now, this is just a one-year deal, so maybe he'll be able to parlay this and turn it into something else if he can play well. But it's got to be rough for him to kind of know that he really messed things up. Like, I, I just, I don't know how. I, I know he, it's, it's tough for him to sleep at night sometimes. I'm sure he really sits back and uh, he questions, he questions himself sometimes. I'm sure he has to, because that is, oh boy, that's rough. That's rough, but shout out to Dennis Schroeder. I hope you have a good year in, in uh, Boston. I think he will actually be a good contributor to Boston. Um, by the way, speaking of bags, Boston just paid Marcus Smart to stay. Uh, he got a nice little bag. Terry Rozier got a nice bag from Charlotte. And also, from one fumbling a bag to someone securing a very large bag, you got Joel Embiid, who got his contract extension, Supermax contract extension from the Philadelphia from the Philadelphia 76ers. So that I think, and you know what? I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to take this moment to tell everyone I told you so. Because for years, I have been saying this for years, that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid would not work and that Joel Embiid was the one that they needed to keep. You, I am on record. You can ask any one of my friends. You can ask anyone that has ever spoken to me about this conversation. I have been saying for years, if I was the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm keeping Joel Embiid and I'm trading Ben Simmons as quickly as possible. You cannot win a championship with Ben Simmons being your main point guard. You cannot win with him being one of your superstars. It's not going to happen. Point blank period. and. You know, they just, uh, they didn't want to listen to me. They didn't want to listen to me. And I don't, I, everyone was telling me, no, Ben Simmons, great defender. He runs the offense, the team, all this other stuff. And I was like, yo, he doesn't have it mentally. And now we find the Philadelphia 76ers in the position that they are in trying their hardest to trade Ben Simmons away. And the really rough part is they probably won't be able to because they're asking for too much. And granted, Ben Simmons is still a great player, so they definitely need to be asking for a lot back in return. But I've said this many, 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 many times before. If I'm Philly, I'm hitting up Portland right now and saying, We'll give you Ben Simmons and whatever the hell else you want for Damian Lillard. I've I've brought up this trade many times. I think it's exactly what they need to do. I think pairing Damian Lillard with Joel Embiid would be a supremely unstoppable force. Um, but I'm taking this moment to gloat. I told you all. And I've been telling you all for years now. Ben Simmons was not the guy. And now we're seeing it because Joel Embiid is getting a contract extension and Ben Simmons, they are trying their hardest to ship him out of Philly and get him anywhere away from that basketball arena. 
real quick before we head out of here, um, there was one move that I think is pretty interesting, um, which was the Clippers trading away. Well, I believe it was Rondo and Patrick Beverly uh, to get Eric Bledsoe. And I have to say, I really like that move. Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe is one of the more underrated point guards in the league. He's a good defender, has pretty good athleticism, can shoot decently, can score. Like, he does everything pretty well. He's not great at anything, but again, he does everything pretty well. And I think that was something, again, that we saw with this team where they struggled two years ago, where they just kind of struggled to create offense for other people outside of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Reggie Jackson obviously had one of the best postseasons of anyone last year. He got a really big uh, contract extension to stay with the Clippers, which was well-deserved because he played out of his mind. But now you add Eric Bledsoe to that, to that team. I like that the Clippers didn't blow this up. I am happy about that. I like that the Clippers decided that they were going to stick with this because it would have been very easy after they – we're up, you know, 3-1, blowing that lead to Denver in the bubble. It would have been very easy for them to just be like, okay, we're blowing this whole thing up. But they didn't. They stuck with it. Paul George really emerged this year and without uh, with Kawhi Leonard dealing with uh, injury. Kawhi Leonard, he's re-signed with the Clippers. He's going to be back. The Clippers, man, I... I'm keeping my eye on them. I'm keeping my eye on them. I just, I feel like this is a team. I don't think that they're going to have a reign of dominance, but I think this is a team where if a couple things go right for them, they could wind up winning a championship. I really do believe that. I really do. I look at this team. I like their makeup. If Paul George is going to continue to play the way he did in the postseason moving forward, and you have a healthy Kawhi Leonard, you get Eric Bledsoe, you have Reggie Jackson, you have Zubak, more, the, one of the Morris twins is there, Serge Ibaka. Like, I like what this team can do, and I, and I will give Tyron Lue some props, and I will officially apologize. I was someone who, I thought Ty Lue was someone who, I didn't really think he was a good head coach. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think... I thought he was just one of LeBron's lackeys who got the job because he was homies with LeBron and then got a bunch of credit because he kind of was just a puppet coach on a team that had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. Um, but I saw marketed improvement out of this Clippers team from last year. Like there was a big difference from what the Clippers looked like this year compared to what they looked like under Doc Rivers last year. And they were much better. So I want to give Ty Lue his credit. I'm excited to see what the Clippers do moving forward. I am. And last bit of news before we get out of here. It looks like we have our Christmas Day matchup set for the NBA schedule. The NBA released what the matchups will be for Christmas this year. And I got to say, I like I like some of these. Oh, whoops. Drop my phone. I'm trying to look at the, the dates now. But no, I um, I like some of these matchups. I think more so than anything, man. So here, here's what I will say. I think that Mavericks and Jazz at 1030, that's going to be the late game. I, I could have gone for someone else. I would have liked, I mean, I definitely want to see Luka Doncic play on Christmas Day. I don't necessarily know if I wanted to see him play the Jazz. I honestly, I think being that the Dallas Mavericks have met up against the Clippers in the playoffs two years in a row, you could have definitely threw the Clippers on there. I think that would have been more entertaining. Um, to me, there are two games, though, that I think everyone is going to want to watch. That is the 12 p.m. game, the very first game of the day, Atlanta Hawks versus the New York Knicks. This is top-tier scheduling. This is what we want, okay? This is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. That matchup, you, I mean, 
NBA schedulers, you all could not have done this better. In all honesty, the only thing that could have been better was if this game was more in one of the primetime slots. But it being the first game of Christmas, I'm completely fine with it. You have Trey Young, who might be the most hated basketball player in New York City right now, going, I believe that game will be played in the Garden as well. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That game is going to be incredible. Uh, you also have a new look Knicks now, you know, well, not super new look. They kept some guys, um, but most importantly, Kemba Walker is there now, who I think gives them a little bit more uh, umph, gives them a little bit more firepower and gives them a real, I guess, go-to option outside of Julius Randle because as much as I like Julius Randle and he did play very well this season, the playoffs show Julius Randle is not a number one. And in all honesty, I don't think he's a number two. I think on a championship team, Julius Randle is the third best player. Um, so I think it was good for the Knicks to find that out. What moves they will make moving forward, we will see. But I think that game is going to be great. Um, Celtics versus Bucks. Okay. This is another game. It's going to be great to watch because of just obviously the star power. You have Giannis playing. You have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you have the champs playing, and then you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you know, like the Celtics, I believe, are going to bounce back and they're going to be a good team this year, but how is this not Bucks versus Heat? Like, seriously, how is this not Bucks versus Heat? That's another team where they've kind of grown to be kind of rivals these past couple years. How did we not get Bucks versus Heat in this, in this matchup? Um, but, you know, I digress. I'm not going to complain about it. Celtics versus Bucks. I'm pretty happy to see. Um, Warriors versus Suns. I like this matchup. I do like this matchup. Now, and I want to say this because I don't just want to keep throwing in playoff matchups in here. Because when I first saw this, I was like, I would love to see the Denver Nuggets and the Suns play on Christmas Day. You know, Suns and four fans fighting in the crowd and all that stuff. That was a lot of fun to watch. But I like Warriors and Suns, especially for the simple fact that I believe the Warriors are going to bounce back this year. Uh, getting Klay Thompson healthy, Draymond Green, Steph Curry. You still have Wiggins there, who I think is playing better now that he's not kind of the focal point of an offense anymore. James Wiseman allows them to play that small ball style, but still have a rim presence because he can move around. Uh, he can also stretch the floor a little bit. They also re-sign Andre Godala. I think this Warriors team is going to be very good. And then, of course, the biggest game of them all, the 8 p.m. game, which very well might end up being an NBA Finals preview. That is the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. <sighs> I mean, there's so much embedded in this. It's Kyrie versus LeBron. It's Kevin Durant versus Russell Westbrook. It's Kevin Durant versus LeBron. It's so much um, in it. You know, Russell Westbrook taking on James Harden. Like, there's so many things that I just get intertangled into that game. That game being at 8 p.m. is going to be phenomenal to watch. I cannot wait. All in all, I think the NBA, they, they did a pretty good job with the scheduling for for this game or for that for Christmas Day. Um, also, this is why I will say this as well. Uh, Christmas Day basketball is way better than Thanksgiving Day football. Just going to throw that out there. And I'm someone who loves football more than basketball. But Christmas Day basketball is the best holiday sporting event out of any, like, out of all of the holiday sports events that go on. Christmas Day basketball, there's nothing like it. It's a great day. You wake up, you have great matchups all day long. But outside of a couple here and there that I probably would have liked to see maybe a different matchup, I will give the schedulers their due, their uh, just due. They put together a really good slate for Christmas Day basketball. Cannot wait for it this upcoming season. But we're almost an hour and five minutes into this. I think I've held you guys uh, hostage for long enough, especially with this nasally voice you're hearing because I'm still a little congested. But 
think we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dominic Shirosky. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend to tell a friend, um, all that good stuff, like it, share it, you know. And if you didn't like today's episode, just act like it didn't happen. <laughs> no need to spread any bad words about me or anything like that. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you all on Tuesday. Peace. It's just different.